0: You are listening to Uncommentary, the home of Conversations and Clarity, recently named one of Christianity Today's 12 podcasts you don't want to miss, 2021. I'm your host, Marty Duran. Hey folks, this is Marty. I want to remind you again about my friend Byron at Hearts and Minds Books and encourage you to order from this uh, independent bookstore up in Pennsylvania. Uh it's heartsandmindsbooks.com and when you go there you'll see easily the navigation to uh request a book or to ask about a book. Uh they're super helpful. If you'll mention uncommentary, uh on some books you can get a discount. They can't discount everything because of the nature of their small operation, but when they can they do, and I really encourage you to check them out. Uh he mentioned to me recently that there has been some business come his way as a result of the podcast that makes me like really happy. That's Hearts and Minds Books. Dot com. Uh, you can actually leave a card on file. I do this all the time, and then email him when you want a new book and how you want it shipped to you, and he can handle it uh, right there through your email. And uh, it's really, really encouraging to him. And so I encourage you to check him out. I don't know that there's anything that has captured the imagination of Christians in my lifetime more than the idea of who is the Antichrist. In my own lifetime, I can remember that it was Ronald Reagan, Henry Kissinger, Gorbachev, the multiple leaders of the UN. Uh, About the only person that it hasn't been is a woman. And honestly, if Hillary Clinton had won in 2016, I was extremely curious of the hermeneutical gymnastics some people would have performed to have figured out how to make Hillary Clinton the Antichrist after it had only been men for centuries. Nonetheless, my guest today approaches the issue of the Antichrist from a different angle. He's writing about it from a, he's written about it, I should say, from a historical perspective in a book he published about 25 years ago. And it's a fascinating look at America's obsession with this idea of the Antichrist and throughout our history, our propensity to have assigned to ideological enemies of all stripes, religious or uh, secular, the, uh, the idea of they are the Antichrist. And this goes back in pre-founding of America, actually to the Puritans, at least. So, um, it's a, it's an important conversation. Uh, I think you'll probably learn a few things, but the most important thing I hope that you'll take away from it is, uh, that this idea of who is the Antichrist is not new. And it's probably actually the wrong question to be asking. Well, my guest today on Uncommentary is, uh, is the professor of, let me get this right, huh, religious studies? Nope, not religious studies. I'm going to have to start yeah. over because I, yeah. I don't have it right here in professor, front of
1: you. Yeah, professor of religious studies.
0: Professor of religious studies, awesome, at Bradley University, which is in Peoria, Illinois, which he was quick to tell me is the geographic center of the state of Illinois. So I am glad to welcome Dr. Bob Fuller to Uncommentary today, Dr. Bob Fuller.
1: Well, it's good to be here, Marty, and um, we can have a fun conversation today.
0: This is going to be awesome. So um, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. You have a, a Sterling, uh, I mean, University of Chicago, Denison University, University of Chicago for your Ph.D. You've written a bunch of books. Uh, You've written a bunch of articles. Uh, What are some personal things? You got any dogs and cats or anything like that?
1: Uh, Well, uh, my dog is no longer with me, but I love dogs, (laughs) (laughs) especially the larger the better. I love dogs. That's awesome. But I'm I'm a Midwesterner, Marty. Um, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I went to first college in Ohio, and then I've spent the rest of my life in Illinois, so I'm I'm kind of a northern Midwesterner.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, I came across you from a book that you wrote in 19 or published in 1995 called Naming the Antichrist, the History of an American Obsession. And um, I told you that uh, in kind of in our pre-conversation that uh, I've been a full-time pastor at uh, times in my life. And this book really helped shape my thinking and understanding of our thinking about the Antichrist. But this is not really a theological work. You kind of approached it from a historical perspective. Explain a little bit about what, how you got onto this and what went into some of your research.
1: Yeah, um, it, 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 I think even if um, listeners can know how I first got interested in the topic, I was just having a fun conversation with friends of mine, and uh, we got to be talking about how students respond to certain things we say in the classroom or come up. And I laughed and said, I think some students think I'm the Antichrist. <laughs> um And um, they laughed, and they said they had just read an article about how um, feminist thinkers have been identified as the Antichrist, subverting Mm. American culture. And then we started thinking about how we had heard of Soviet leaders, Muslim leaders, and and I started thinking about all the different people who I had heard in my lifetime are agents of the Antichrist. And this began to fascinate me, because I am both a scholar of American religion, and interested in the psychology of religion. Mm. And this straddled the two. And um, I sat down and within about five minutes had already come up with a master outline of how to um, pursue this topic. And I really, in this book, and the book now is 20 years old, of course, um, but it um, takes the outline of from the colonization of the United States back in the you know, 16 and 1700s till today, uh, looking at the various historical eras and how thinking about the concept of an antichrist has manifested at different cultural settings. Um, and we live in one today.
0: <laughs> now, I think historically it's accurate that the idea of antichrist has both been assigned to individuals and been assigned to, I don't know, movements. So cotton mather yeah, for instance. Has. Yeah.
1: Um, Yes, and it's gone both ways, that the Antichrist is a specific individual, and other times it's looser that there are forces of the Antichrist, or agents of the Antichrist, or a social movement that's doing the work of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist, by the way, can we quickly say that in thinking, we might liken the Antichrist is to Satan, what Christ is to God, Mm. that is the agent that Satan or God sends to Earth to... um, shape Earth in the direction of God, or in the direction of Satan. Mm. Um, so in a worldly agent doing the bidding of God in the case of Christ, it, the work of Satan in the case of Antichrist. Mm. Um, now, I wait. was fascinated to learn... The name barely appears in the Bible, the word Antichrist. And I I thought if I went to Daniel or Revelation, two of the end, we might call them end times prophecy um, portions of the Bible, along with a little portion of Matthew, um, and not so. The word never appears there, or any um, even allusion to it. Really, we can get to what they do. Talk about a beast Mm -hmm. uh, coming to um, do this. But it actually only appears in um, two obscure books of the New Testament: First John and Second John. and the word is used in the plural, referring to any human being who doesn't hold accurate views of Christ. See, I think uh, if you, if you deny accurate Christian views of Christ, you are an antichrist. So it's referring to people that they knew living in their times who didn't share their beliefs.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, uh, even from a Bible student perspective, that's an important thing to get at is most of the references of antichrist in the scriptures aren't referring to a man. It's referring to a spirit yeah. or an idea of being against God and being against the gospel but one of the right. things that one of the things that your book draws out though is through the is how through history this has manifested itself. So why don't you just take us through a stroll of some of the historical perspectives? Well,
1: you know, sometimes we know who we are not just for what we're for, but for what we're against. Mm-hmm. And to this extent, Americans have always needed an enemy, <laughs> something that they're not for, and in reference to which they know they're not this, um, and hence they can identify themselves. Um, you know, once someone once said, you know, you can have a, a passionate cause without a god, but you can never have um, a passionate cause without a devil. Mm. <laughs> um, I've known this um, in my own life. Sometimes nothing unites us more than a common enemy. Right. And so the notion of, a, uh, of an antichrist, someone who is... Um, a threat to us, allows people to have a common enemy and to come together and to fortify their relationships. And if we look at not just what the idea of Antichrist is, but what function does that belief hold for the communities that profess the belief, it usually has to do with rallying loyalty Um, coming down double on um, adherence to doctrine, adherence to group um, beliefs and rituals. And so it strengthens the loyalty of the in-group bond. Mm. And it's had this from early colonial time. I might say that when the very earliest settlers in the American, the original 13 colonies... They often looked out at the Native Americans as possible agents of the Antichrist. Now, once again here, it's not a single Antichrist, but the Native Americans in general Mm. are are images being projected um, to try to thwart this errand into the wilderness, constructing this beautiful city on a hill. Of a of a sterling American Christian culture, that the Native Americans are agents trying um, they're a threat to the construction of such a city on a hill, mm. and so already we have this. Um, uh, the King George was thought to be a part, and the whole Anglican Church agents of the Antichrist, threatening the establishment of a true Protestant Church wow. uh, in America. And then at various times it's been the Roman Catholic Church, various waves of especially Catholic immigrants, and of course Jews have almost always been um, um, possible targets of this. I call it pinning the tail on the Antichrist, Mm. finding in the world around us things that threaten us and therefore must be some part of a master plot to Um, undermine all that is good and true and beautiful, and Jews, uh, more than anything, are are any one kind of group of people um, have been identified as harboring and and will come forward in the end times with um, the Antichrist. Even um, the recent Left Behind series, uh, it's only about about 15 years ago, they were best-selling a series of books in America about end times prophecy, and again, uh, it identifies the um, antichrist coming out of israel yeah
0: um who are some of the people that you have uh in your studies that you came across historically that have been uh identified as the antichrist and and who was the person that was most leading the charge to identify that particular person that way
1: well it, it goes away through history by the way uh, there was a time in which Luther identified Martin Luther identified the Pope uh, representing false Christianity from his viewpoint so he viewed the Pope and the whole office of the papacy as the Antichrist and the Pope um, returned the favor and um, <laughs> labeled Luther and fellow uh, Protestants as antichrists um, in American history I, I started out with the Native Americans and um, it, both, uh, by the way, preachers in the American North um, during the Civil War viewed slaveholding as a sin against God, and those who professed um, support, so the whole Southern cause was um, considered Antichrist, and again, from the flip side, uh, Southern preachers viewed the Northern oppression and uh, trying to squ- squash their freedoms Um, as uh, agents of the Antichrist. So we see this being played out. It's a way of demonizing our enemies. And remember, Marty, once we demonize our enemies, then it justifies any type of extremism and any kind of violence even against them, because that violence is then an errand for God. Mm. Um, If the Antichrist is present, so, for example, I grew up in the um, mid-20th century, and Soviet Union was thought to be a godless... Um, cultural force that would someday try to, or at least attempt to crush all Christian culture. And um, so Soviet leaders, uh, Gorbachev, Khrushchev, were always being the targets. Mm-hmm. Since then, Saddam Hussein, I'm, I'm holding in my hand, by the way, right now, a three-page letter sent to me um, advocating all the ways, and it was published during, or sent to me during the Obama presidency, all the reasons why Barack Obama might be... Um, wow the um, Antichrist. <laughs> so we've seen um, all of these, but I've seen rock music, rock musicians, because they subvert um, wholesome society, mm-hmm. um, Again, feminist leaders, At um, sometimes anything that's e- ecumenical, uh, yeah. like um, the, um, the National Council of Churches of Christ, is doing the work of watering down the core of Christianity The United Nations um, has been viewed as an agent bringing everyone together but surrendering their autonomy to um, be part of this. So again, Muslim leaders, uh, Soviet Union, and so we get just lots of um, of views of, of this throughout American history. And at each time, these threats can be either threats they are external, like a Soviet leader, like Hitler, um, a, a, some kind of foreign enemy. So that's what I mean by external threat. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the threats are internal. What leads us to be, become doubters? Mm-hmm. Uh, what leads us to um, soften our commitment to faith? And this can be everything from evolutionary biology to other modernist intellectual forces. So sometimes these threats aren't so external the way a foreign leader can be with an army, but they are ideas that can subvert loyalty to doctrine.
0: And I think so uh, we've seen
1: Antichrist straddle that.
0: Yeah, I think your your latter point is actually the one that has the most biblical support. The the idea that it's um a philosophy or ideology or living that goes against the gospel seems to align with what the what the Bible calls the spirit of Antichrist, uh, as opposed to and what I call capital A Antichrist, which would be an individual, which right. is, the, as you've alf, uh, already referred to, is the one that's sometimes combined with the beast from uh, Revelation or an imagery from Daniel, and all these are combined into one individual called capital A Antichrist. Yeah. But... What yes, your division. If, if you read
1: most of the left-behind literature, mm-hmm. and I mean um, I, I was certainly um, in kind of co- starting college, I think the year that Hal Lindsay published a book called The Late yep. Great Planet Earth. Yep. And in it he asked people to be aware that History is not forever. God has created the universe. God will bring this universe to an end. And when he does all of the looking out at current news events throughout the world, and he links Soviet leaders, and he links um, Asian um, culture Mm -hmm. as possible manifestations of Antichrist on Earth, he's definitely linking it to Daniel's beast, the beast in Revelation, and he never makes reference to first John and second John which um have as you call it spirit of antichrist um and um as it so he is cl- clearly in the line and it's a long line goes before Hal Lindsay, um of using Daniel and Revelation not the new testament um letters that actually right. use the word antichrist so we we get just um it totally pulled into a apoc- what i call apocalyptic thinking
0: mm-hmm. folks you're listening to uh, uncommentary i'm talking to uh, dr bob fuller about america's obsession with the antichrist and we're going to be right back after this so what does it take to keep uncommentary on the air uh, technically it doesn't cost a lot um there's costs associated with editing there's costs associated with scheduling And there's not a lot more, but nobody gets rich off of podcasts that they do from their room in their home. Uh, It's all about getting the content out and uh, doing what people uh, like and maybe even need to hear. So I do want to encourage you to become a Patreon uh, or at least maybe a one-time gift. Uh, If you go to patreon.com slash uncommentary, you can become a supporter for as little as two bucks a month. I mean, that's like foregoing a 20 ounce Coke one time a month. And you can become a uh, $2 a month contributor supporter level. Uh, if you choose the $3 a month, you'll get a podcast logo, an uncommentary podcast logo. If you choose $5, the gold level, you'll get a mug. Uh, and these are actually pretty nice um, mugs. If you choose $10, you'll get a sticker and a mug. Uh, if you go above that, then there's other stuff. I mean, if you've just got like money to spare and you want to give $250 a month, we could really do some upgrades around here. Um, But the reality is it doesn't take a lot and uh, a little bit helps out a ton and makes it worthwhile. And occasionally I can take my wife out for a meal. Uh, If you'd rather do a one-time thing, you can use PayPal, paypal.me slash uncommentary pod. That's paypal.me slash uncommentary pod or Patreon is monthly. And these are uh, auto drafts. So you don't have to write checks. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to go back to the website. Uh, The $2 is gone. The $3 is gone. And really uh, you never miss it, so that's Patreon.com/slash/uncommentary as well. And now back to this week's episode. Well, right in the middle of your book, um, you have a chapter called "The Battle Against Modernism," and this is, uh, I think, an important segue for a lot of people who don't think in like terms of history. So if you could take a second to explain first what you mean by modernism or maybe modernity or something, if that's a relative sure. term, and then how this fits into this concept of Antichrist.
1: Well, I think I can. Um, modernism, you know, you and I think modern, and we because this is 2021, we, we think of something very recent. Mm-hmm. Well, modern is a mindset that really emerges in the late 1800s because think what's happening at this time. The natural sciences are – rapidly physics and chemistry and biology geology are all making rapid advances it's the birth of modern psychology and sociology the social sciences universities are starting to become dominant aspects of of american culture in a way they weren't previous to this time and this is becoming more awareness of world cultures across um, every place, and we see that had we been born in China or India or somewhere else, we'd be very different people with very different lifestyles and very different beliefs. Right. And so modernism is a way that moves away from traditional religious um, understandings, particularly of one's own cultural heritage. So this was beginning to be seen um, as a threat. And It would have happened anyway, but I guess when it finally came to Charles Darwin and his publishing in the late 1860s, or in the 1860s we get it, um, the On the Origin of Species Mm -hmm. by Means of Natural Selection, and every educated individual needs to make a decision. Push come to shove, is Darwin and modern evolutionary biology right, or um, is the book of Genesis literally correct. And this is when we get the word fundamentalism um, emerging in American culture. This word did not have root, uh, and it only emerges in response to, quote, modernism, Mm. whether it's in the Darwinian evolutionary, but the psychology, the sociology, the new world outlook kind of mindset, and it's moving, we sometimes call it secular, moving away from religion. And in response to this, there were individuals saying, we are affirming the fundamentals of biblical faith. And this is where the word fundamentalism became. Mm-hmm. But now, to define yourself against it, how can it be that there are professors of biology and the local high school teachers teaching something against this? And this is where this began. It must be the tyranny and the deceit of Antichrist wow. oh, alive in the modernist sources, again, psychology, sociology, biology, and other kind of modern um, global cultural outlooks, and all of this modernist idea. Now, some Protestant um, preachers in the United States absolutely affirmed modernism and thought that... Um, religion should grow with world experience, and began to preach a, a, a more, um, we can call it theological, liberal, mm-hmm. modernist um, theology. But fundamentalism is a response to that, and they see the advocates of um, the modernism as literally anti-Christ, and hence uh, must be um, p- part of Satan's plan to delude and, and pull people away from pure Christianity. This was a major theme, even still, when Hal Lindsey wrote The Late Great Planet Earth, right. that um, people are being lured away and deceived by things that seemingly are attractive and seem um, um, <laughs> possible to sparkle and, and we want to embrace them, but this is the deceit of Antichrist, luring us away from faith. And so um, much of modernism becomes associated with the spirit of Antichrist.
0: Are there uh, now? I realize that your book only really deals in detail with the American obsession, but his, are there historical parallels to um, to the idea that advancement in culture or changes in culture? Alone are working of Antichrist or agents of Antichrist. So, in the I don't know the the Middle Dark Ages or whatever, was there still this idea that any advancement is is an indication of a dilution of Christianity, or was that more related to the American experience?
1: (laughs) Well, of course, in the Middle Ages, um, yes, and it's true that it was uh, considered. antichrist uh, among the few who were scholars mm. and you got to remember that at this t- at earlier times in history it was roman catholic priests living in um around cathedrals and in monasteries who spent their time reading and writing <laughs> and, and uh, crafting all of this and um the whole middle ages is filled with uh interest in the antichrist and um and, and there's a lot of, of interesting uh, publications about that. So even then, it was thought that um, many new trends in modern thought that move away from biblical authority are the deceit and tyranny of, of the Antichrist. So yes, this goes back, but you won't find it as widespread in culture because most people weren't reading and um mm. Have the luxury to know about these things. Without our kind of modern media, um, the vast majority of the population didn't get involved in those kinds of considerations.
0: That's a really good point. So um, you used the word obsession, which is a pretty strong word.
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> and, and Marty, this is uh, where my viewpoint and um, comes through. I divide Christian ministry as having kind of two major ways of emphasizing. And one is what I call prophetic. And by prophetic, I don't mean um, predicting the future here. I mean speaking for God and trying to um, establish a a more um, loving and kind and redemptive community here on Earth. I call it world-building ministry, Mm -hmm. world-building proclamation. This is what I personally favor and support. Apocalyptic thinking, and apocalypse is from the Greek word revealing plans for the end times. It's a strange and kind of hard word, but it means end times thinking. It's about... bringing down the world, and even wanting the world to be um, ruined and destroyed, that somehow forces of God will come from the skies and destroy sinners and destroy enemies of the truth and um, will give them eternal damnation. Um, this, unfortunately for me, lifts up what sometimes can be the dark, even mean-spirited um side of Mm. this message. And so it's nothing I personally favor. Um, I find um, relishing and wanting to see world-ending events, um, all of the events that supposedly the book of Revelation and little bits in the the book of Matthew speak about, Mm -hmm. um, about the end times of the world when God will Pass judgment on all those God finds wanting of, of, of proper holiness and loyalty um, and the destruction that will come to them, and, and only the righteous remnant will survive into a new kingdom on earth. Um, apocalyptic thinking to me um, is too prone to fear-driven um, hatreds and prejudices and animosity. And I, have my own personal judgment is, is that in the history of Christianity, apocalyptic preaching usually reveals much about that era's prejudices and fears and bigotries, and far less about its hopes to, as I call it with the prophetic strain of ministry, to be world-building.
0: That is really interesting. Um, do you and, and as a result of that, then I guess—and correct me if I'm getting this backwards—but as a result of that is this uh, this temptation. <laughs> wow, I can't believe you use that word. This temptation then to find a, a, a locus for the Antichrist, who is the agent of the Antichrist that's causing right. these things to happen.
1: Right. And, um, you know, we go through, first of all, can, can I point something out? And I, I, If I don't say this, I, I, I might be really unnecessarily offending anyone out there. I think sometimes we get curious about these things because all of us say, we have a universe. It didn't always exist. There was at some moment it comes into existence. Mm-hmm. It, will it have an end? What will this end be like? Did the spirit behind the whole universe have a, an intention towards it? I think being curious about this... Um, it, And just kind of wanting to dabble in the ideas and and to um, just stretch our mind with with curiosity to think about it, I think that can be healthy and certainly um, that. But becoming what I call obsessed Mm -hmm. with end times because you want to see your enemies um, receive their comeuppance and you want to see your enemies punished and hurt and maimed, um, it, it brings up the mean and, and spirited side of, of humanity. And um, this has um, been my observation that apocalyptic thinking too easily um, caters to the mean and, and, uh, e- and, and kind of almost evil side of, of human, human nature. Um, You know, I guess if you were forced to ask me, is it better to have a ministry based upon thinking of Jesus as Mr. Rogers, one cultural icon, or Rambo, um, the other, uh, coming, you know, with uh, weapons to destroy and smite, um, and, and we'd get the, the kind of um, sense of um, satisfaction of seeing our enemies um, destroyed, um, I would prefer the Mr. Rogers to the Rambo. <laughs> OK, and and to me, some of the apocalyptic and why I called it the history of an American obsession was looking at that dark, even mean-spirited side of religiosity that that manifests itself. Mm. Um, I guess I, I, I'm finally saying that um, if, if we can steer religion towards being an agent of love, world building, rather than an agent of hate, what we're against. Um, I, this was part of the reason that I, I got interested in the book.
0: So is the book still in print? I, I should have asked you that. <laughs>
1: um, um yes, to the extent it was published by Oxford University Press and th- they have a system now where they can actually print out um the copy by copy
0: is yeah, cost
1: effective. And so yes, I, it still is available. I think it's probably available a little bit on a um the used book market yeah. um as well. Um
0: Cool. Well, those of you but who are listening that are, for me. yeah, that are believers, um, yeah. or if you've just been studying the uh, the idea of the end times or speculating mm-hmm. about it, if you've been in churches for long, I mean, you remember uh, not only the the Left Behind series, but you remember A Thief in the Night and A Distant Thunder, the movies from the seventies, and yep. uh, Salem Kerban's books on the end times and any number of books on the end times. To give a balance from a historical perspective, I would highly recommend tracking down a copy of Naming the Antichrist, The History of an American Obsession by Robert Fuller. Uh, Dr. Fuller, thank you so much for being with me today. I thoroughly enjoyed it. these
1: kinds of things are fun for us to talk about. They stretch our minds. We can hear things we agree with and things we disagree with, and isn't that the fun of a podcast?
0: It really is. Thanks so much. As always, thank you for listening to Uncommentary. If you'd like to keep up with me on Twitter, it's at Marty Duran. If you'd like to follow the podcast account, it's at Uncommentary Pod. Please rate and review, and whichever podcatcher you listen to, uh, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Podbean uh, or Overcast or Castbox, whichever one you use, uh, if you can rate and review, then that would be awesome. It just helps with search results and gives some credibility uh, to the podcast itself. Uh, and as you have an opportunity, if you would promote it, whether you uh, put the link from uncommentarypodcast.com uncom- uh, on your Facebook page, or if you tweet the link or retweet the uh, the initial broadcast that it's live, uh, anything like that to help spread the word is always appreciated. And as always, uh, Soledad Gloria, this is Marty Duran for Uncommentary Podcast.